Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Strava Craft Coffee, rich CBD-infused coffee. It's incredible stuff. You can get it in K-Cups for the Keurig. You can get it ground. You can get it the whole bean style. However you like your coffee, Strava will give it to you, and they'll send it right to your door for 20% off when you use the code DNVR20. So make sure you use that code when you hit up StravaCraftCoffee.com and get your Strava today. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online, awesome, awesome stuff over there. Uh, they are going to hook you up with an affordable, rigorous education to get that education that you've maybe been putting off, finished off during this time when most people have a little bit of extra time on their hands. So hit up msudenver.edu slash online to check out all they have to offer today. All right, well... Zach isn't here, so I guess I'll say it. My boys, welcome <laughs> in to the show. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a mashup here between the DNVR Broncos podcast and the DNVR Draft podcast and a throwback to our draft coverage. It's Ryan Konigsberg joined by Andre Simone and Henry Chisholm. Uh, Zach had requested this day off long ago. Mace, we knew, wasn't going to watch the match, so I guess essentially mm. he did not do his homework and you know, as our teachers used to say, if you don't do your homework, you don't get to participate in the discussion. So it's the three of us here today. We're going to talk a little bit uh, about the match. Uh, of course, you know, uh, Peyton Manning, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, and Tom Brady went at it yesterday, and it was awesome. And then, of course, we'll get into some Broncos-related. I have a Broncos-related take off of the match that I don't think anyone else is, uh, is thinking of today. So uh, I'm excited to reveal that one to you. But quickly... Uh, you guys, I know, watched every hole because I was chatting with you, watching you guys on Twitter. Uh, so I'll start with you, Hank. Hank, what were your uh, your takeaways from that match? I had been dreaming of that match for weeks, and it lived up to every one of my expectations. I think that, you know, if, if Tiger would have made that eagle putt after Tom drained the the hole out from deep, I think that would have actually made it live up to every one of my expectations because that would have been just like prime Tiger just not letting anybody steal the spotlight from him. Tom knocks that in. He wins the hole right back. You know, there was the same thing. I think if he would have just put that last ball in on 18 and instead of, you know, I, I think that would have been a better ending. But, my God, that was incredible. I guess the rain. I will say the rain sucked. I still give it an A. You know, one quick thing on the rain. I'm really impressed with those guys. Everyone but Brady. I mean, at least he got it together at the end. But – 
to be able to throw that round out there, like Peyton Manning, we'll just talk about Peyton because the other guys are pros. For Peyton to be able to throw that type of round out there in, in a downpour, not to mention, like, it has to be weird to have all those microphone uh, things attached to you. I mean, you even saw Brady on the best shot of the day, his things like falling off, swinging around. So I think Peyton would have shot like in the seventies just on his own ball yesterday. And I'm very impressed by that. I think, I think the conditions, you know, once we got into the swing of things, I think people were overlooking the conditions. I would have, yeah. I think we overlook that maybe in some of our picks, Ryan. Um, are we bearing the lead? Tom Brady ripped his pants on the best shot of the day. How, <laughs> how have we not brought that up yet? This is a Broncos podcast, yeah? Yeah, okay. Uh, we, so, we get to rip on Brady when he rips his pants, I suppose. Yeah, See, he deserves a little bit of a ripping, a second ripping. Yeah, um, you, I, you know, I can't believe that I saw Tom Brady in the biggest stage just choke. Like – he legitimately got the shanks, not even just like, uh, didn't have it, you know, not his best day. Like he couldn't find the fairway to save his life on the front nine. Um, I mean, I wish I would have just been, ha- I, I was so, it's so weird betting against Tom Brady. I was like afraid to just hammer the live line, like miss the fairway, miss the fairway, miss the fairway, miss the fairway. Cause I'm like, ah, the next one's going to be the one where he hits it. And it took forever. So he has the shanks on the front nine. Uh, he, misses the probably the the biggest putt of the match he had a chance to send them to i believe just one down with like five holes left he misses that putt uh on the 18th hole it's do or die they've got to make birdie and he chunks it and misses the green and of course he rips his pants he loses the match i've like i can't believe we got tom brady we got to see tom brady just like be the butt of every joke on national television. It was incredible. Couldn't hit a par. Bryce Kepka like put a hundred K on him reaching a par. Finally made that absurd birdie, which should have been an eagle. <laughs> uh, but still it was and I mean he's being like told what to do and how to drop the ball. It was not a great look for for Brady at all. And you mentioned that final hole biggest shot of that final hole is pfm just with a butte dropping it on the green to ice that and uh you know really really win that and peyton switching up hats which was dope you know so peyton's cool as ever switching up hats he's honoring colorado he's honoring nola you know and tom brady's ripping his pants and looking like big fanjo halfway through the round so <laughs> i'd say it was a, a a big win for the real goat in the in that discussion and it's pretty crazy seeing tom brady just hack it up all the way around the course right next to phil mickelson and right next to tiger woods you know there were the back-to-back holes maybe like seven and eight where he duffed chips and had to like chip twice on the hole i think one was out of the rough stuff but Right before that, like hole number two, hole number three, Phil's out there talking us through his chip saying, oh yeah, well, you see how these blades of grass are leaning back instead of forward? That means you can't get under the ball. You're not going to be able to slide the club right under. So you're going to have to hit it a little bit harder. And then you can see up on the hill where the color changes from the light green to the dark green. If you just hit it on that dark green, it'll kill it and it'll roll. And then, so he talks through all of that on national TV to the camera and then just goes and does it and leaves the ball three inches from the hole. Meanwhile, Tom Brady's just like leaving chips 10 yards short of the green. Yeah, it was so, I mean, 
it's Brady. Like, how many times do you think in his life Brady has just completely let down his teammates? Like, it was just 100% his fault that they lost. Mm. Very few. Yeah, very few. Not too many. He's not used, like many. usually when the Patriots lose, it's because of some other factors. And usually um, those other factors get cut. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it was just so crazy to watch. It was cool. Everyone kind of played their own role in it. Peyton was the jokester. Uh, Phil was the uh, instructor. Tiger was Tiger. I mean, he was in full Tiger mode. And then Brady was, you know, the, uh, the laughing stock. It was just nice. Everyone had a nice little role. Everyone fit into it nicely. I can't believe, like, if I was an NFL player, I would be kind of afraid of just shredding Tom Brady online. Like, like the wolves were out. Everyone was oh, just yeah. like, oh, yes. I can't – like, even Tom Brady's own center, Ryan Jensen, <laughs> was taking, like, little shots. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> like, you need him to love you. What are you doing? You need to have his back. You need to be making excuses for him. Hey, he's a member of the Dungeon family. We know those guys don't don't hold back. Don't hold any punches. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it was so awesome. And, of course, uh, Peyton, you know, you said uh, Peyton hits that shot on 18 and how big that was. Dude. How about the shot on 16? Like, that's – Brady's went in. I get he made the birdie after, like, hacking around the woods and just kind of got lucky. Everyone that's had a bad day on the golf course knows there's always one shot that you're like, you know what? golf actually is fun i'm gonna go again tomorrow <laughs> that was his shot peyton was playing well and then brady pins it to like eight feet phil right on his back hits it to like seven and a half feet and then peyton hits it to mm -hmm. 17 and a half yeah. inches they should have just said it was 18 inches because that would have been much more fitting for peyton but I could – I mean, that was the shot of the day. I don't care that Brady's winning. That was the shot of the day. There was real pressure on that shot, and he absolutely pinned it. Well, uh, Peyton, he won two holes by himself in the front round on the best ball, and that's getting overlooked. Those irons all day were just so sharp. He puts that one close. He puts that last one close. I think my favorite part of that second one, the one on 18, was when – the camera cut to Tiger, and Tiger just has the biggest smile on his face. <laughs> just big white teeth, just massive. Because you can tell, like, he is that sort of competitor, and you're playing his game. And, and he's trusting Peyton Manning to put a ball somewhere where he can finish things off. And, and it actually happened. And so to be the best golfer to have ever lived and be reliant on your partner and see your partner hit a shot like that, like, uh, it, it, that must just be an incredible feeling. And his face... Just makes me so happy. Brings me back to my childhood. Real quick, uh, just from a golf perspective, I don't think people realize what Tiger did yesterday in hitting every single fairway. Like mm -hmm. that, you know, these guys are pros. And maybe if you're new to golf, you would think like, oh, yeah, pros should be able to hit the fairway every time. It never happens. I, don't, I can't remember the last time I've seen just anyone hit every fairway. And, and especially Tiger, you know, when he's locked, he's still – he's hitting fairways. That's basically – you know, you heard um, Justin Thomas tell an amazing story of when they were playing at the – it wasn't the Ryder Cup, was it? Was it the Ryder Cup? I think it was the Ryder Cup. Yeah, yeah. It was the Ryder Cup. Um, they were playing at the Ryder Cup, and Tiger was dialed. 
and and they were in alternate shot and he went up and and yesterday was modified alternate shot usually alternate shot someone actually hits the tee shot you got to take their tee shot no matter what and tiger goes up to uh to to, to justin thomas when he's dialed in and says i don't care what i have in just hit the effing fairway and like that's just because when tiger is 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 locked all he's got to do is hit the fairway and it's a birdie or a par uh and so yesterday you saw him get locked as locked as i've ever seen him off the tee like it was automatic and that was an, just from a golfer from a fan of golf that was an incredible thing to watch and it got totally overshadowed by all the other stuff and it was fun to see what Peyton did right next to it too. So you see the professional golfer who's totally locked in every, every ball hitting the fairway. They're all 300 whatever yards. Meanwhile, Peyton is like going after with a pretty big swing. He's using the driver and like he's missing some, but a lot of the time he's out there in the fairway to try and keep up. What happened with Tom Brady is kind of in that second uh, nine it seemed more like he was just taking a relaxed swing and really was just trying to hit the ball in the fairway. It was no longer like, okay, there are three balls out there and they're all 300 yards. It's just, I'm going to go out there with this hybrid. I'm going to knock it in the fairway and we're going to figure things out from there. Yeah. He didn't replicate his swing off the tee one time all day. And that's, that was tough to watch. Like there was one that I saw him. He's like all on his back foot and completely opened up and just sprayed it. Right. And I'm like, Oh man. And his whole thing clearly was that he didn't trust himself off the tee. So that's why he took the driver out of his bag. He was trying to be, you know, uh, he was trying to play it safe in a way. And on a day like that, when your swing off the tee is that out of sorts, you want the driver, honestly, because you're like, all right, well, if I'm going to hit it into the rough, I might as well be 300 yards up there. Uh, so it was, I mean, just crazy, just crazy to watch the whole thing. And really, it really delivered. I mean, there was a lot of fear, I think, for everyone and that, that it was going to get canceled due to that weather. And that would have sucked so much. But once they got out there, once they started playing, it truly delivered in every sense. It even came down to the last hole. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was great. And Peyton, as Hank pointed out earlier, and the back nine was really key in pulling that off, keeping those guys ahead and, and getting the win. Oh, yeah, I'm that dying was my... to hear your take, though. Okay, all right, like, fine. Can, we, can yeah. we stop with the golf, please? <laughs> We're burying the lead. I have a big-time take that has to do with something we saw yesterday, multiple things we saw yesterday, and the Denver Broncos. So Peyton Manning, obviously completely revered, in Broncos country, he doesn't necessarily need to, to make any like PR moves to be loved by Broncos fans. But you notice that he had the Broncos logo on his cart. He also had the Colts logo on his cart, not to be forgotten. His putter, his customized Scotty Cameron putter has orange and blue dots. And it says PM in orange, 18 in blue. And then the ultimate cherry on top, he pulls out the Colorado flag hat on the course. Now, Peyton Manning is a very, very smart man. He does not do anything on accident. Do you guys have any idea where I'm going this? Why would Peyton Manning be making subtle PR moves to get more into the hearts of people in Colorado? Is he running for office? <laughs> Close. <sighs> He's trying to own the team. Is this where we're going? That is it. And I know that this has been talked about before, but I've never, ever, ever been more confident that Peyton Manning 
is angling to be to own the Broncos or to be a part of an ownership to own the Broncos. And he knows that if that is the case and there are multiple groups that want in on the Broncos, the entire state of Colorado is going to be behind Peyton Manning. And he's just driving that further and further in. He's just pounding that nail because he knows it's going to happen. You know, if anyone has in, uh, internal knowledge of what's going to happen with the Broncos, it's a guy like Peyton Manning. You know, there's, yeah. there's a few people, Peyton Manning, John Elway, et cetera, et cetera. Peyton Manning, you know, to be honest here, has an incredible relationship with Patrick Smythe, who is the Broncos, you know, head of uh, PR. I think he has an even higher title than that, vice president of communications or something like that, or president of communications. Um, and he knows everything that's going on with the Broncos. He's great friends with Peyton. So Peyton knows exactly what's going to happen. And I think as we've talked about on this podcast quite a few times, that's where we're heading. It seems like a foregone conclusion at this point that the team is going to be sold. And it's, it's weird here because John Elway won't be in a position to get in on that uh, unless he leaves right now. You, you cannot be um, inside uh, the, the team and make a bid for the team. And I think you have to be outside of the team for a few years before you can be a part of something like that. So it's going to be Peyton Manning who's going to be far and away the favorite inside Colorado to win this thing. And he wants that on his side because, look, the Bolins, well, yes, you know, do they want money? Of course. Uh, and no matter who it is, they're going to get $3 billion at least on this sale. It's not, it shouldn't be a bidding war for them. Oh, do we want 3.1? Do we want 3.2? They're going to try and make the best decision for the Broncos because they are going to have a little bit of a say in this if the team is forced to sell. And the NFL also is going to want what's best for the Broncos, a proud franchise in the history of the league. And if everyone in the state wants Peyton Manning, of course the NFL is going to want Peyton Manning because he's an incredible ambassador of the game. And Peyton Manning is going to be the next owner of the Denver Broncos. Like, that's where I'm at here. That's what, how I feel. And he knows it. And he's just playing his hand, getting closer and closer into the hearts of Colorado people. He even decided to not wear an Indianapolis-based hat. You know, he did have them on the cart. But he wants people in Broncos country to think, you're my favorite. And that brings you closer because, you know, that's top five the, a second top five quarterback in the history of the NFL who claims your team. And now he's going to want to own your team. Everyone's going to be on board with that. And you think that's calculated because he knows like the Colts, there's Jim Irsay. Also who would want to live in Indiana? I mean, no offense to any listeners from Indiana, but I think we can all agree Denver slightly better. Um, hmm. That is interesting. And gets me excited. Cause if there's someone who I think from a business standpoint, and with obvious football background, could be a really good match to run the Broncos. There are a few better than uh, Peyton Manning. Now the, the interesting thing is living out here, you know, going courtside to Nuggets games, how many, uh, you know, top dollar potential financiers to make part of a, a big group could he? And obviously, I mean, he knows those people left and right. I mean, he could be a lot like Magic Johnson's been for a lot of these uh, Los Angeles sports teams, kind of the face of a bigger conglomerate um, financier group that invested the Broncos. I guarantee you he already has it together. Sure. And I guarantee you he's prepared to make, to, to make an offer today. Uh, if the Broncos, you know, if it came out today 
that it's just not going to work with Brittany. She's too young. It's going to take too long, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The infighting is just too much for the NFL. If that comes out today, Peyton Manning and his group have an offer on the table by the end of the day. And again, Peyton, I think Peyton really does truly love Colorado. So don't get it twisted. I don't think this is all just PR. And I think that's one of the reasons why he wants to own the Broncos. He wants to live in Denver he wants to be the face of this franchise. He wants to be the face of the city, honestly, because here's my one other take is that Peyton Manning and John Elway can't coexist uh, in the same thing. So Peyton Manning cannot be the owner with John Elway as the GM. Uh, it's going to have to be a Peyton Manning comes in. He's the, he's the, you know, he's not really the owner of the team. He's the face of the ownership group and John Elway retires and says, you know what, Peyton, have the torch. Now you can, you know, be the guy who gets all the heat and gets all the credit when it comes to the Broncos. Because do you think John Elway is going to let another famous quarterback in this town be his boss? Definitely not. It's not happening. Not happening. And well, I think, you know, if they were able to work together, it could be a, a great combo and really cool if, mm -hmm. you know, you have two John Elway Super Bowls, one Peyton Manning Super Bowl, and then together they win the fourth Super Bowl for the Denver Broncos, you know, that would be special. I just don't think it can happen. We're talking about two of the alphas, alphaist of the alphas, and maybe it could work from a Peyton perspective, but there's no chance John Elway lets Peyton Manning be his boss. He says, so happy for Peyton, really excited to go on with the next chapter of my life. I'm going to go play golf every day, so hopefully I get chosen for the next time Tiger Woods is out there. And, uh, and I think it begins the next chapter of the Broncos. But I, I re like, I've never felt more strongly about this. I always thought Peyton wanted to get in the mix. Now I'm convinced not only is he going to get in the mix, he will be the next owner, I'm putting that in air quotes, of the Denver Broncos. I like it. Uh, I, I, I think I agree. I think um, when we're talking about John Elway and Peyton Manning working together, I really like the logic, and I think that you're probably right. But you think back to when John Elway first took over this job and the people that he had helping him, you know, with Brian Zanders there and, and all of that kind of stuff. I wonder what happens if Peyton just comes in. Does he have somebody who is a former GM who he would like to bring in to be his GM? And, and it's just, it, that's really the question for me is if he has those people picked out, if he has replacement for Elway, otherwise he might just need Elway to stick around for one year, maybe two years, kind of teach him a thing or two so that he can take over. I don't know whether John Elway would be okay with that. My other question is why Peyton would go with the ownership route instead of the media route. I think that that is the only other thing that I could throw out there. that would be a reason why this wouldn't happen. Um, you know, if they, if I think it was Monday night football that offered him a blank check, essentially um, he turned there's that down. There's so there's, answer. there's, there's a good sign, but especially after watching this yesterday, he's just so good with a camera in his face. He knows how to slow play it while he thinks of a joke. He knows how to deliver everything. Like it would be a bit of a waste, except at the same time, you have to call being the owner a bigger gig. Yeah, I don't really know how the money situation would work there. I think he would actually make more money just doing TV. Um, you know, he could have had $25 million a year from ESPN if he wanted it. So mm -hmm. I just don't think that's what he wants. Uh, it's too easy for him. Like, he can just show up and be funny whenever he wants. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, his insights on the game would be off the charts incredible. But that's like 
you know, he's done that. He, it's just, it just comes easy to him. I don't think that's a challenge for him. I think the idea of owning a team and, and, you know, uh, winning another championship. If you go into, uh, you know, broadcasting, the only championship you, he has to win is if people say he's better than Tony Romo. You know, like, that's the only thing he has to fight for. Going and being the puppet master of a championship team, I think, was what drives him. It's what drove John Elway to be the GM, you know, and, and there's just no opportunity to be an owner at that point of this team. And I think Peyton's the same way. He wants to be an owner. He wants to be in, in here. He, he wants, you know – the truth is he is larger than life. He's people talk about him being a coach. No chance. Never, no matter nope. what way above that. Uh, and even GM, you know, at, at his current state, I think he's a little bit above being GM. Now I, he could do it and, and no one would, would, you know, thumb their nose at it because it's Peyton Manning and, you know, John Elway's done it before him and et cetera, et cetera. But I, I truly think, you know, he believes that owner, is a play, is the way for him to go he'll put in some money and he has a bunch of people who are going to put in some money and and it's going to be an amazing um torch passing from john elway to peyton manning who goes even up a level and then you've got you know maybe you have the next champ you, you know you have two championships with john elway as the quarterback one championship with peyton manning as the quarterback and john elway as the gm and the next next championship is drew lock at quarterback peyton manning at owner and then you just continue the cycle. And then maybe Drew Locke one day becomes the GM. And, like, you know, it just – it all seems like it, it lines up pretty perfectly. Uh, John Elway can't, can't have his fingerprints on every Denver Broncos championship for the rest of time. So, eventually there will have to be a, a torch passing. Uh, although he would if Drew Locke won that one. He would still get some credit for it. So, that's where I'm at. That's my big takeaway from yesterday. It was just – it really feels like he's trying to just get – burrow himself further and further into the hearts of Coloradans and it's working 100% and it's going to work when push comes to shove and he has that ownership group ready. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, Hank was talking, I was thinking someone like Tony Dungy would be a perfect person to assist him and be like in charge of personnel and hiring a new head coach, stuff like that. You know, all those connections would be invaluable for Peyton. I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I thought you were going to go another direction. Like we saw that Peyton when paired with another goat and Brady with another, you know, top 10 guy, but not a goat. What really happens? Like tiger is the Belichick to, uh, to Peyton and we saw what really would happen if uh, Peyton played with Belichick and you know Brady just had like a Tony Dungy type I thought that's the direction you were going no I was going for a, a bigger more Bronco centric take there I like it I like all right it. speaking of Bronco centric takes uh Hank you said you woke up this morning and had an inkling to watch Alexander Johnson on tape and I commend you for that so I'm going to give you the floor here for a few minutes before we hit a break to tell me what you took away from your rewatch of Alexander Johnson. Well, let's just start here. I wanted to watch him because I really love his game and I think he deserves more credit. Um, and then I watched a game and I came away thinking that even more so. He is just unlike the other Broncos linebackers, you know, he does have limitations. You, you watch him in coverage. He got, I watched a game against the bills, by the way, but you know, Cole Beasley, the slot receiver, he gave up a touchdown. He gave up another big play to him, but it's Cole Beasley. He's a receiver. 
the problem there was that like as soon as Cole gets a step, he can't keep up. But if he's right on him, then he's good. So you want to see the senses get better. But outside of that, he is just a wonderful football player. You know, he, he can engage with blockers. He doesn't overstep his bounds. You know, that's something that the Buffs had trouble with. I cover the Buffs on a daily basis, for those of you who don't know. But uh, when you watch them at the beginning of the season, what they said the problem was was that everybody was trying to do too much. You know, you watch Alexander Johnson, and there will be a hole that opens up, and it's just him on one side, the running back on the other, and he'll be patient enough to wait, fill that hole, show that he's in the hole, force throwing back outside and then go around the outside and either make a play or get somebody else in position, to make a play like that. Patience is just something that's not coachable. You put him in the red zone and his length just plays up. And all of a sudden he isn't forced to cover distances. And that's what the football is all about is the game in the red zone. And Alexander Johnson is an incredible red zone defender, or at least projects to be one. And that's the weird thing is that he's already 28, even though he's only played two NFL seasons, but he just looks so good and he's so big. He can engage with blockers. If, if some, if they're trying to run at the left guard, he can hit the left guard in the hole and just cancel the hole there and force the run outside. And I, I just love his game. I, I'm trying to buy a Broncos Jersey and he's toward the top of my list just because I like that 45. And uh, I like the way he plays. I mean, everybody wants these fast cover linebackers, but you forget that length helps him out and he does so much in the running game that – oh, the other thing I want to throw out there before I forget, he was spying Josh Allen. And that's the other thing I really like about him is that he does have enough athleticism to be your spy. And so when you're playing a mobile quarterback, which is happening more and more, you can play man around him or zone around him, not even put him in coverage because he's so good spying the quarterback and he was making plays that way. Um, I think that that was most of my takeaways, unless you guys have any thoughts. No, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. With uh, with more four two five looks, linebackers like him are really effective, you know. And I, mm-hmm. I agree. Pre snap, you see him maybe be a little slow in his reads. I remember talking with Zach mid season. There's a play where he makes like a down saving tackle in the red zone, but if you watch it pre snap, he doesn't know where he's going. And Simmons or Chris Harris tell him like, "Hey, dude, you got to move. You got to get this guy." And he's quick enough to make that adjustment. But even though, and that'll improve the pre snap reads. But you're right. He doesn't overrun anything. He's not taking bad angles. He's Boy, that was an impressive first season. And he just changed the Broncos' run defense. You know, Purcell and he were night and day, the difference they made in the run defense after week four or five. So, and, yeah, and that's I, fun. I like that you said that because – the the not overrunning things you know if if they're playing the zone run you know that means the linebacker's gonna sit back eventually one of the linemen's gonna come out and double team him instead if they call a blitz he'll run up he'll hit that hole and just cut everything up if they don't call blitz then he'll sit back he'll do what he's supposed to do push the blocker off when the running back gets to him make a play and Mm -hmm. what you really like there is the coachability which is just like you were saying when chris or justin says hey here's your job he can go do that i'm not surprised to hear you say that at all because you could see that he was doing what the coaches told him during this game too yeah he uh, he really did impress and i think it's really easy for people to forget he's the all-time leader in tackles in the sec like this isn't some unheralded prospect who came out of nowhere and became a good football player no this is a guy who would have been i don't know you guys are the draft guys where would he have gone if it weren't for uh you know of course uh him being accused of rape and then later being exonerated in that case 
would have depended on having a decent enough combine, you know. But I think he would have he would have gone in that day two range. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. yeah, exactly. This is a guy who probably would have been a day two pick, who you know John Elway really wanted, took a chance yeah. on, gave him a three year contract, uh, kind of called him, called his shot yeah. on this, and he's an impressive guy. And, and the last thing I'll say about him, you know, with Derek Wolf off the team now. He's probably your first guy off the bus. He's that type of body. Like, when you see him in person up close, you're like, this guy is a linebacker? Like, he looks like Jadavian Clowney or something. Uh, So, he's an absolute athletic freak for how big he is. He is absolutely stacked. He's nothing but muscle. He's got those huge dreads that just make him even more intimidating. And I think, you know, that's really could be his role on this defense is the intimidator. Um, you know, he's the guy who's going to lay the wood and, uh, and kind of make them seem tough. You hope that Justin Stranod develops because those two would make a really nice combo together mm-hmm. in that four, yep. two, five type of mold. Yep. That, sure. that length would be incredible. And to kind of build off that a little bit, the first man off the bus thing, a lot of the time the bills were running away from his side of the field because he was lining up behind Bond Miller and Derek Wolf. And again, that patience, his ability to just stand there and play the game and then pursue when it was time to pursue. He still put up 15 tackles in that game, even though they were running away from him. Um, and you know, one more point, you know, we don't love pro football focus by any means, but he, they did rank Alexander Johnson, their 46th best player last year. He was the AFC player of the month in October, according to pro football focus. So they love him. And it's because, you know, they look at the tape and see, I guess, some of what we saw. And again, him in the red zone is what I just love because that length, it's almost like that length doubles in the passing game because everything is so compact. And you saw him pick off Phillip Rivers there last year. Yep. Yep. Well, you average damn near a a B plus for our grades too. So there you go. There we go. Great stuff, Hank. I think um, Broncos fans are going to really love that just because it's a, it's a take that we haven't had on this podcast yet, and that's kind of the advantage of switching things up today. So uh, I, I should have mentioned this off of the top of the show, and I feel bad about it, but it is Memorial Day. Uh, we want to give a huge shout-out to all of our veterans who listen, everyone who has served, all those who are lost, uh, you know, any, any loved ones of people uh, that listen to this podcast. We're thinking of everyone that is what this day is about. Uh, and so if you're out there grilling and, and, uh, and having beers, make sure you remember what this day is all about. And if you are out there grilling and having beers, might I recommend the mile high city beer from Breckenridge brewery? Uh, it, you know, it's a copper lager. It's a perfect beer for a day like today. If you want some flavor in your beer, but you also want to tip them back, you know, have quite a few of them. Uh, you can definitely crush a six pack of these without feeling like you, you know, you drank too much, uh, like beer. Yeah. I'm putting beer in quotation marks because there's certain beers out there, you know, which ones I'm talking about that you could drink a hundred of them and you wouldn't even notice any difference than if you were just drinking water. This one, you get that flavor, but you can also crush it, which is, is pretty great. It's also got that beautiful can. It's all smooth. It's got the ball on there. And if you want smooth balls, hit up manscaped Oh wow! <laughs> and use the code DNVR20. <laughs> Uh, when you do order the perfect package 3.0, it's got everything you could need to keep it uh, keep it fresh down under. And you know, I talk about this all the time, but the, the crop preserver is just an incredible product. Forget everything else, and don't forget everything else. But just in this situation, forget everything else. That right there is worth the perfect package 3.0. Like I, I it's just 
hot days on the golf course, you're, you know, paired with Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods, you're going to need that to make sure you're not walking all funny uh, by the end of the round. So uh, hit up Manscaped, use code DNVR20 uh, to get that perfect package 3.0, or maybe you just want the lawnmower 3.0. Whatever it is, make sure you check it out from Manscaped. You guys like that one? I really do. Hank and I are not worthy of such transitions. That's, uh, too, too high level for us. Yep. Uh, that was really good. All right. Let's, that, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The, the crop preserver really is just a life changer. I mean, so I, 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 one of these days, I'm going to talk to a real human woman face-to-face in person <laughs> again. And when that day comes, I hope it's still hot out because uh, I will be rocking that crop preserver for sure. That. <laughs> That, that has nothing to do with quarantine, right? You're just in a slump. Uh, no, I'm blaming it. It's like a quarantine slump. I think that it's easier to justify slumps right now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, let's get into the questions. First one here comes in from Count Locula, uh, who says, Juwan James, Donald Stevenson, Russell Okung, Menelik Watson, Garrett Bowles, Jared Valdir, Elijah Wilkinson. It's like we keep buying Ford Escorts, thinking this one will be the model year of the ages. Love the count i mean the record at right tackle is so rough you just pray you you literally have nothing else to do but just cross your fingers and pray that juan james is healthy this year because if not that was another wasted contract on right tackles like donald stevenson menelik watson jared valdeer you you can throw in oh what was his name uh alan barber Mm. uh if you want like it just the right tackle situation has been rough for a long time like how long because even Peyton didn't have good tackles like you could add Tyson Brywell to this list Michael Schofield it's been ugly for a long time since Ryan Clady couldn't stay healthy I I think right yeah I mean they haven't really had good tackles since then obviously Peyton made everyone look better uh, when he was out there but you haven't like Ryan Clady was the last very good to great tackle you've had on the team yeah, and I guess Orlando Franklin was serviceable at times. But Orlando Franklin, that, that guy was drafted in uh, John Elway's first year as a GM when Von Miller and, was drafted. And he was playing guard, right? Mm-hmm. He was playing right tackle for a while, then moved to guard. I guess Ryan Harris was a semi-reliable start. But, you know, Ryan Harris was a journeyman. He just would fit so well on those zone-blocking teams. Um, yep. Yeah, and I guess Columbus maybe played a little. But, yeah, you – Boy, it's uh, quite the list. Yep. Andre, you want to get the next question? Let's do it. Uh, the Sandy Man says, Hey, guys, I was hoping y'all could help me out with a non-Bronco discussion that my friends and I have been having. The question is whether or not Russell Wilson is a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback or even a Hall of Fame quarterback. I believe his resume is lacking in the accolades needed to get in. He has one Super Bowl ring and eight Pro Bowls. He has never received a single MVP vote, but has been good his whole career. I look at players like Eli, who I don't think should get in, but I would put Eli in before Russell if I was voting right now. So what do y'all think? And if you don't think he is a Hall of Fame worthy player yet, what would he have to do the rest of his career to get in? Wow, I disagree with you strongly here, Sandy, yeah. man. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. First ballot, um, he might have to do a little bit more at all. I mean, first ballot is kind of uh, just depending on who surrounds you in that class. Sure. But quarterbacks often have a really 
great chance mm-hmm. of going first ballot because everyone knows them so well. Um, one more Super Bowl, and I'd say he's definitely first ballot. Right now, I think he's bordering that just based off of how good he's been for how long. And I think that, you know, he's really underrated in terms of those MVP votes. Uh, I think, you know, you can make a case for him to be MVP any year because he carries those Seahawks teams. I mean, he absolutely straps 52 other men on his back and just drags them around all season. So not to say he always has bad supporting cats, but he truly is everything for that football team. So I think he's definitely a Hall of Famer. I agree with you, Ryan. I I totally agree. Uh, He's been in the NFL eight years. Uh, He started his rookie season despite being drafted late. His team has finished first in the NFC West three times, second five times. They've missed the playoffs once. I remember when he got that massive contract that reset the market and thinking, well, there goes the Seahawks dynasty. But he has single-handedly carried that team through every season since then, um, ever since he lost that defense. And the weird thing is that he's only 31. And so this would be one of those situations where it's somebody who played really well for a short period of time. Do they get in? But assuming he plays four more years and keeps finishing or just gets, get, gets to the playoffs. I think he's a hall of famer to be first ballot. Maybe he needs to make another super bowl or extend that to seven years that he plays or eight years. But yeah, he's, He's one of the three best quarterbacks in the league and has been top five for five years now, six years maybe. Yeah, and I mean, the rings discussion I think is kind of silly. We forget he was, you know, a a Malcolm Butler pick away from winning two Mm -hmm. and beating Tom Brady like like Eli did. I mean, you could – obviously you can't do these things, but it's why, you know, just looking at rings can be so – finicky you're right. You're you're missing the point because you flip-flop the Tyree catch and the Malcolm Butler pick – both very improbable plays and all of a sudden Russ has two and Eli has one and Brady has the same number of rings. Yeah. To me, Russ is a top five quarterback in his generation. And I think, you know, he's really going to take that mantle here with guys like Mahomes and Deshaun Watson in the next generation and only solidify his hall of fame credentials for the next five to six years. Could you imagine if in his first three years, he slayed Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in Super Bowls? Oof. Right, because that was his second year against the Broncos. Yep. Second and third were the two Super Bowls. Right there, man. He, he was, was right there. I mean, he was one bad play call away from slaying Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in back-to-back Super Bowls in his first three years. We'd pro- I mean, if that happens, who knows what happens after that. But the, the alternate timeline there, it's not crazy to believe we could be talking about Russell Wilson as one of the all-time greats already. Truly. Is there any system that you wouldn't want Russell Wilson to be the quarterback in? Nope. And how many other guys are there like that? Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, if he keeps improving as a passer, and like, you yeah, know, that, that, then maybe. It, but it's too early for that. Exactly. Right. He doesn't belong. Like, you don't put him in a, uh, in a like, Cliff Kingsbury offense right now. Right. Agreed. Yeah, or like a conventional West Coast. You could make the same argument with Mahomes. That's what makes Russ so special, man. Yeah. Um, you can re- he can really fit anywhere, and then he makes those plays above the X's and O's that make him so And I so guess you, pro- you probably could have him run the air raid just because there's so many open receivers in the air raid. Um, yeah. But as we saw last year, it's not quite as easy to run the air raid in the NFL as it is in college. Um, 
but Kyler's still probably going to win MVP in that offense this year. Anyways, you want to get the next one, Hank? Uh, I would love to. Uh, the next one is from Mark IT Snatch. Is that how we're saying that? That's correct. Uh, hey guys, Santa's elves are subordinate clauses. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, anyway, if you'd rather field this in a part one discussion, skip this question. Riding along the Mount Rushmore's discussion, what do these monuments look like per decade? For Mr. B, lastly, of the non-rookies on the team, whom do you see having a breakout season on each side of the ball? Yeah, well, we won't do the uh, Mount Rushmore for decades today. Um, mm, okay, cool. Breakout season from non-rookies. Well, I think, Hank, you had a good one there in Alexander Johnson, unless that, mm-hmm. unless last year counts as his breakout. Yeah, I kind I, of feel like he, he might be past that. I think he had like half a breakout. Mm -hmm. The question is whether there's room for a full another breakout at age 28. Yep, for sure. I think so. I've got my eye on Draymond. You guys know how much I love Draymond. I really think I I see a lot of people talking about, you know, your your two defensive tackles are going to be Shelby Harris and Jarrell Casey. And yeah, Shelby Harris will play a lot. But I think their ultimate goal by the end of 2020 is Draymond Jarrell Casey to be that dynamic duo in those four, two, five type looks. That would be great. I, 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 we've talked a lot about Draymond as a potential breakout candidate. The one that I think um, might just be getting overlooked because there's so many options in this offense is Noah Fant. Yeah. Um, I think he could be primed for a very big season. Um, I don't quite want to share the the details of this on this podcast just be, uh, because, you know, the uh, this type of knowledge could give uh, other teams an advantage. I'll just say this. Mm. Noah Fant had something going on last year that they think they might have fixed, and that could be the key to him breaking out this season. So uh, I'll leave it at that, but I'll tell you, you know, it, it should give you hope that he uh, is going to be a better football player this year uh, with with what he's got going on. So I think he could be a huge breakout candidate. There's going to be so much room for him. I mean, you're going to spend so much energy covering Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. It's like, it's why we, you know, Dre on DNVR Bets Daily, we talked about Travis Kelsey's over under on yards. It's because you got to pick your poison. And you always pick Kelsey because you're fine with just going eight yards at a time. That's going to be Noah Fant this year. You're going to have to pick between Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Cortland Sutton, and Noah Fant on any given play because we know that Shermer likes to go a lot of uh, three wide receivers. Yeah. And you're going to pick Noah Fant as your poison to allow, you know, and give him the matchup because he's not going to, you know, break the game. So uh, I think he could have a huge, huge year. I wonder where Vegas would set his over under receiving yards. That'd be interesting. We can ask. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, I kind of, for my offensive player, I kind of just want to take Noah Fant because I trust Ryan. But that's fair. I will say that I was kind of debating between Reisner and Melvin Gordon. And Melvin Mm. Gordon scares me because I think the odds of him making having the breakout are a bit slimmer, but I think it'd be really exciting if he does actually, you know, put up five yards, five and a half yards per carry. Like we think he's capable of now that he's in a new offense. Um, but Reisner in year two, you know, we saw him play really well before he kind of got banged up last year. I think this is the year that kind of solidifies him as an elite NFL guard. 
Reisner's a good one. I felt the first half of the season, he was already one of the best guards in the NFL for how he was playing. And you could tell he was nicked up towards the end of the year and not playing his best. Vance a great one, though, because I already feel like the stars were aligned with him, you know, second half of the season with Drew Locke. He was much better. The Pat Shermer offense will help him a lot. But if there's some outside factors on top of that, boy, it's, uh, that's all gravy right there. Also, yeah. Drew Locke. I just want to say Drew Locke's name because Ooh. I think that that's probably the one that we should be saying, right? Oh, oh yeah. Well, the breakout. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess you, you really can't call your last year his breakout. So No. We were all trying to, you know, outsmart ourselves a little bit there. <laughs> all right, we got a long one here from Hot Take Tim, and I don't know where this is going. But anyways, he says, hey, guys, I think your discussion of Melvin Gordon calling Vaughn before signing his contract is very interesting and provided some great insight into how Vaughn has been feeling about the past, past few years. You said that Vaughn spoke frankly about Vic and perhaps divulged some unsavory aspects of his persona, but this got me thinking. I believe the call probably went something like this. Vaughn, hello? Wait, can we play the parts? Oh, yeah. You, uh, you want to be Melvin? I would love to be Melvin. Okay. So, ring, ring, ring. Hello? What's up, DJ Sauce Vaughn the Don? How's it hanging in the 303? <laughs> <laughs> that's my new line. <laughs> when I can finally uh, talk to girls again, that's going to be the line. Oh, my God. It's going good, Flash. Just got back from San Fran. Just trying to avoid that Caroli virus. Know what I mean? What's up with you? Oh, nothing much, man. Just driving up and down the 90210, admiring the mansions, wishing I had a contract for the upcoming season. Well, hey, man, you can always come visit my mansion if you want. Oh, wait, never mind. Quarantine. Yeah, man. So I was wondering, how are you feeling about the Broncos of late? What, you interested in signing here now or something? Just messing with you, man. We got the Tasmanian Devil touchdown number 30 TD Phil running over fools with his 190-pound self. Yeah, haha. Well, how do you feel about the past few years? Well, dog, I got to be honest, past few years have been rough. Ever since we won the Super Bowl and I got paid hella cash, it almost seems like we don't have as much money to pay for other good players on the <laughs> roster. We thought Coach VJ was really going to give us a boost with how well we were practicing and all. <laughs> but I guess he just wasn't the guy. What was it? Elway said that one time? Hmm. Oh, yeah, now I remember. Guy's an idiot. Baker Mayfield, boys. Uh, and his name acronym thing sucks, too. Uh, dang man if your coach's name is vj you're gonna have a bad time we on the up and up now we got big vic coaching up the d know what i'm saying they call him the godfather and he'll be your daddy know what i'm talking about uh sure Vaughn. i mean and we also got big glock lock firing bullets all these uh through all these defenses yeah man we're probably gonna draft judy or some other ball and wide receivers our offense gonna be stacked kinlaw's cold though wow fam that actually sounds pretty good did you feel I definitely feel. Uh, all right, man. I'll catch you later. Hey, how are those chickens holding up? They're doing good, man. Doing great. We had to eat the big white one, though. You know, the one named Derek. Anyways, <laughs> we'll catch you later, dog. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, man. Peace. Okay, that was uh, an experience. In Great other words, <laughs> I think Vaughn may have been describing more of the hardships of the past few years in the Vance Joseph era rather than being tentative about Vic. We know he's wearing his heart on his sleeve in, in his post-game interview after the Chiefs loss, but now he has to be feeling good about the, the direction the team is heading. Yeah, I think so too. Yep, I agree. I mean, all it takes is ending the year four and one to get the good vibes going again, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's why, you know, I've said it once, I'll say it a million times. As great as those five picks would have been in every round, 
I think going four and one from a morale standpoint might be worth more. And you ended up getting Jerry Judy anyway, which you probably would have taken him at 10. Now the rest of the rounds, who knows who they would have gotten, but just anyways. Uh, next one uh, is Windy City Bronco. You want that one? Yeah. Trey? Just to highlight how good Lindsay is. Con- is, cons- is Oh, how good Lindsay is. Consider what touchdown hat TD had around him. Take that offensive line, one of the best QBs of all time, all the other weapons, and then give Lindsay the ball. The only reason Lindsay fell off compared to his blazing start is that teams figured out they could key in on him, stack the box, and watch the Broncos implode. The only thing likely to hold back Lindsay this season is a big contract for Melvin Gordon. Yeah, this and is, like I said, you know, it's always about, you know, you think you think that uh, you're going to give Melvin Gordon all these touches until Phil starts averaging 5.4 yards per carry, and then you can't yep. get him off the field. Yep. Yeah. So uh, he was ta- we were talking about just how amazing TD and actually Clinton Portis as well, the starts of their career were. Mm-hmm. Like Clinton Portis' first two years, you know, I won't mm-hmm. say we'll go up against anyone because you've got like Jim Brown and those type of people that exist. But in terms of like modern era – uh, rookie running backs in the NFL. Like, he's right up there with, like, Saquon like Saquon Barkley's first season. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the hype that came out – I'm just comparing those in terms of hype. After Saquon's first season, everyone was like, oh, my God, this is instantly one of the best running backs in the NFL. That's where Clinton Portis was. He came on the scene yeah. and was a beast from day one. Yeah, there was, that, there was that graphic that was floating around that had Clinton Portis as, like, the 11th best running back of all time. And it was, like, this terrible graphic that I think was a joke. Yeah, But they had him right next to Marshawn Lynch. And I was like, how do you have Clinton Portis next to Marshawn Lynch? There should be five guys between them. People forget what Clinton Portis was. I mean, didn't the, the Broncos got Champ Bailey and a second-round pick for him? Mm-hmm. He was putting up First incredible numbers. Hall of numbers. Famer and a second-round pick. Yeah. I mean, he was that good, and sure, it didn't last long, but I don't know. He deserves more credit for what he did. We talked about him as like a surefire Hall of Famer if he didn't leave the Shanahan offense. For sure. And the injuries as well. I mean, I think every game that he played – every season that he played 13 games or more, he ran for over 1,200 yards. So, beast. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look at those numbers, he really would have blown even Saquon out the water. I mean, he was insane. Yep. Yep. Hank? Oh, yeah. I get to read a question. Uh, this one is in from AvsWatch22. He says, hey, gang. No, I don't have three names. They're all the same person. Spencer. If you know what the acronym KISS stands for, and I think Mace does because I've, all, or I've heard him say it before, do that. That's keep it simple, stupid. Uh, <clears> now, <throat> from, now for my question. The Jets are apparently seriously considering trading Jamal Adams, which makes not an ounce of sense in my mind. Even worse, his preferred destination is the Cowboys, who the Broncos do not play this season, of course, but they do play the Jets. We all know they won't, but what could the Broncos do to get involved and do a dance with the Jets to get Jamal Adams? Love you, gang. Can't wait to have a drink at the bar as we inch closer to the world being open. Go DNBR and go Broncos. Uh, Justin Simmons, like a package that surrounds Justin Simmons for Jamal Adams because you just, you know, or I guess you wouldn't, you'd have to sign him first that would give the Jets kind of some security in their, in their safety that they're using to replace Jamal. I, I, I'm trying to come up with something. The Broncos aren't going to get involved. They have one of the best safety situations in the league. You yeah. do want that trade to go through, though. Like, you really yep. want that trade to go through. Um, Baker and uh, Drew 
did an IG live earlier during the quarantine and Drew was talking about like he had never gone against a player like Derwin James mm-hmm. where like the entire game plan was like okay like look you just don't go near him stay away from him at all costs and Drew was like that never happened to me in college like usually it was just like okay this guy's really good just be aware of him he's like I got to the league and I played Derwin James in my first ever game and the coaches were like look Wherever he is, that place is off limits. Don't go anywhere near there. And he's like, that was so weird. And then Baker was like, yeah, I actually went up against Jamal, Jamal Adams and had the exact same situation where it was just like, just forget about it. If he's on the right, you're going left. It, you know, that, that half of the field is canceled. And that's, that makes life really hard. So uh, you, you definitely want – you know, unless you're really biased against the Cowboys for some reason, you definitely want them to trade him. So you don't have you. So Drew Locke doesn't have to face him in that Thursday night game. That's already going to be a difficult trip for the Broncos. Yep. And I think that this trade, you know, the Broncos trying to get Jamal Adams would make a lot more sense. Like one year from now or two years from now, when obviously like the contract situation for Jamal wouldn't line up. But right now when you have Kareem Jackson, who is a very similar player to Jamal Adams, it's kind of redundant. And then there's definitely room for a third safety. Like you're still looking for your slot defender. That's where Jamal Adams would probably play if you got him. I think that if you're going into Kareem Jackson's likely last year, either for age or because of the contract with the Broncos, then maybe you can try to justify it and say, we're having super safeties for one year. And then we're going to have Jamal Adams fill in for Kareem after. But with the way this is all built right now, it doesn't work. But that does make me think if Kareem Jackson had joined the NFL four years later, five years later, when this whole safety versatility thing was already heated up, I think he could be seen as much more valuable because he does kind of fit that mold as being that downhill player you could put in the box. And I think that just because the book was already written on him by the time he turned 26, when that whole push started, he kind of missed out and is seen differently throughout the league than he should be. Yeah, the Broncos website uh, reached out to me. They were kind of doing like media prediction type of thing, and they asked who's going to be the Broncos' defensive player of the year, and I chose Kareem Jackson. Uh, like that's how I, I think Kareem Jackson is an absolute game changer, mm-hmm. and if, if you test him, uh, teams are going to pay for it and pay for it hard. So the, the Broncos already have such a great situation. Maybe that it's a Kareem Jackson and someone else trade, so the Jets have a mm-hmm. short-term replacement at that position. And then it's like Kareem Jackson and uh, two first, one first. I think think what they were looking for during the trade deadline from the Cowboys was like a first and a third. Oh, wow. Okay. And the Cowboys just weren't well. I mean, here's the thing, though. The Jets are kind of like give them enough cord and they'll hang themselves here because they are slowly but surely ruining this uh this uh, this relationship with a potentially a star defensive player of theirs and i think it would allow you to use kareem jackson in a lot of different ways i just don't you know the broncos just aren't one player away as many improvements as they've made so i don't know that i'd pay that price for jamal adams but i'd certainly be intrigued because in the hands of vic yeah. If you could just give a first and a th- – what if it was just Kareem uh, – no, you want to keep Kareem Jackson just for the fun of having three really good mm-hmm. safeties. So a first and a third straight up for Jamal Adams right now, do you do it? <laughs> uh, it's so hard to say no to that. I think that's a very good value. I think that makes the Broncos a lot better. I think there's room to put all three safeties on the field for 80% of the plays. 
maybe even more than that. I'm very tempted at the very least. I'm doing it. Kareem Jackson could just start at cornerback for you. You know, yep. so in in basics formations, he's your outside cornerback, depending on Bryce Callahan's health. Four two five looks, he becomes the Will Parks. And boy, what an upgrade he would be on Will Parks. And now you have Jamal Adams in the box or has a blitzer that you can move around. Yeah, it'd be pretty fun. I, I guess I, I'd be intrigued. I'd be intrigued for sure. I'd do it. I, I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. I just don't think that's a, a deal you end up regretting making. No. Well, the tough part is then you'd sign him, you got to extend him, and you got to extend Justin Simmons on top right. of giving up mm-hmm. a, a, your best cost-controlled asset in your first-round pick. So that's, that's like a lot to, to take all at once. Mm, you're so logical. You're filling mm, the I role try. of Mace on this podcast today. I try. I try. I'm if somebody's like, Get awesome players and figure the rest out later. Yeah, I've got uh, Justin Simmons and Grant Delpit in the DMVR Madden League. I think that if somebody offered me a first and a third for Jamal Adams, I would still take that. But this isn't Madden. Oh, yeah. I would take it for sure in our Madden League. Um, (laughs) All right, uh, going on here. Uh, I feel like I had one more take on that. Oh, yes, I do have one more take on that. And uh, if you, you know, if Allie's listening, she should cover her ears. If the Cowboys get Jamal Adams, I'm considering them a very real Super Bowl contender. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, Okay. From Oklahoma Bronco 58. What up, guys? Watching the match part two. A quick question popped into my head for y'all. Which is each of y'all's top three people in the Broncos locker room that you've gotten to deal with on a regular basis? Could be because of their thoughtfulness, insight, or personality, but was just curious who y'all favorite people are to cover on the Broncos. Also, TB12 sucks at golf. PFM all day long. Uh, obviously, I'm the only one who can answer this question. So I will go with some of my favorites, man. Uh, Vaughn has always been a delight. Um, it's funny because he, he really just killed all of his goodwill, but Chris Harris Jr. was awesome in the locker room uh, from a media perspective. And when thing when the Broncos won, the best person – ever in the locker room was a keep to leave problem is when no, they lost yeah. he was like a you know uh, a force field of poison <laughs> he didn't want to go anywhere near <laughs> force field of poison i remember that amazing <laughs> interview you got with dt right right oh, before man. you left the broncos oh, oh, oh you're right i gotta include dt in there yeah hmm. dt yeah. i mean just like certain people give off a vibe where you're just like oh this is a very warm human you know what i mean like they're just like their their personality almost like wraps around you when you're talking to them that's what dt was like like you just felt good when you were around dt that's the type of person he was so he's definitely good got to be on my list too Yeah. yeah and how amazing a guy like dt who who faced so much hardship in his life to be like that is just amazing Mm-hmm. I ran into uh, Justin Hollins uh, before this season and Montana played Oregon this year. And so I got to talk some crap to him. Um, so I would say 50. that my, yeah, then they beat him by 50, uh, which made all my jokes funnier. But um, I also have met Phil and he seems nice. Yep. So there's my contribution next year when the Broncos draft Mustafa, then I'll have more to contribute. Phil. To Calling the shot. I love it. <laughs> Phil was one of my favorite people ever to cover at CU. Um, 
I obviously still love Phil, love covering him, but Phil always needs an enemy in his life and he's chosen the media. And so it, it just makes it tough. It makes it that he doesn't really give us good quotes anymore. When I just get him on the side and it's just me and him, you know, shooting it, then I have great conversations with Phil still, but you know, he's decided that it's, it's the Broncos versus the media and the rest of the world. And it makes our jobs a little tougher. That's okay. He but that's, an, that's who he's he is. An offensive yep. lines dream. He's like a 185 pound <laughs> offensive lineman. That's like the mentality that man, <laughs> like no wonder McChesney and he get along so well. I should mention three last two years, three best interviews I've had at the senior bowl. And, you know, those two years combined, I've maybe, you know, interviewed close to 80 guys. Um, Terry McLaurin was a great interview, but no one better than Drew Locke, Dalton Reisner, and Lloyd Cushberry. Those guys were just so warm, so insightful. What I've really locked in on scouting is self-aware and um, really understanding how, some, how I learn what I need to relate to people, that self-awareness. It, it, it goes beyond like how you carry yourself. It goes into how do I improve myself? How do I relate better to people? It makes you a better learner, a better teammate, someone who's more prone to coaching. And those three guys really checked off those boxes. Really impressive people. Awesome. Quick one from D Bronk who says, Andrew Mason should have been the guy on the stump on stump the Schwab. Changed my mind. Yeah, there actually was an old show called Face the Mace, uh, which is very similar that we actually have been thinking about potentially bringing back. Bring that back yeah, yeah we're think thinking so. about bringing it back uh anyways speaking of bringing it back you guys remember our wgt challenges from last summer well we've brought back wgt they are the official gaming partner of dnvr we're having a ton of fun over there um i would say make sure you join the dnvr country club but we've already filled that one completely up a very exclusive club so you got to join dnvr two DNVR2 is now our second country club. We had to open up a second location because we had so many people inside. Plus, you know, you got to worry about all these quarantine restrictions, mm-hmm. all these people going in there to get their nightly <laughs> country club meals. Uh, so, yeah, you got to go to, to dnvrgolf.com. Download it through there. That's how the people at WGT know that you're a DNVR fam. Uh, and then you go join the DNVR2 country club. You'll still be able to participate in all of the events. It's really fun. We're having a ton of fun with it. Even if you don't golf, maybe, you know, you got a little inkling to golf play, uh, watching yesterday's match. Well, this is a fun way to, you know, do it without having to leave your house. I played golf this weekend, boys, and uh, the game is slowly but surely starting to come together. Nice. Good. Good thing I, I, I even did it with my cut finger. Uh, mm. Wrapped her mm. up. You know, I just I couldn't miss that tee time. I wanted to play so badly. I just realized I haven't had a chance to send my condolences about your finger. So oh, I hope you're feeling better. You know, we're, I think we're at like 68% healed at this point. I like it. Good. You know, as, Good. as Tiger said yesterday, you know, 100% isn't what it used to be. It's very true. I love that line. You know, and honestly, I think I've figured something out. I've heard of this happening for people before, and I was actually thinking about this before the round. So it could have just been like a vibes thing. But, you know, I had to take a little pressure off of my – pointer finger on my left hand on the grip and I felt like I was hitting my drives a little more consistently you know taking a little pressure off that finger I might have to go cut my finger yeah maybe that's what's been getting you all (laughs) along Brian exactly yeah it's so uh it was a great day out on the course 
Uh, and second time I've walked 18 to start the season. And Ooh. I'm rounding into shape real quick. Like, first one was a terrible experience, I have to admit. Like, blister on the foot. Back was sore from carrying. The, I mean, I was a mess. This time, got the push cart going. Yeah. Really a big game changer. I mean, you know, now you're just going for a walk. You know, we were all talking about the match, too, from yesterday. But last weekend, when Rory McIlroy and uh, – uh, let's see, that was Dustin Johnson faced off against Matthew Wolf and Ricky Fowler. They were all carrying their own bags, bags, 18 holes. <laughs> and I, I do that to myself. Like, I'll just be talking to myself because I do that, and I'll correct myself on the bags, bag thing. That's but, yeah, amazing. that blew my mind. To see professional golfers carry their ba- bags, 15 holes, was incredible. I 18 just, holes. You know – it's not worth it. It's just, it's, there's no way that's good for your back. Like that is a 100% really bad for your back. So uh, I don't care like how good your bag is or anything like that. It's probably weighs about 50 pounds. I would guess uh, with all that metal in there upwards of that and in the balls and all that stuff, just get the push cart and do your back a favor. You won't regret it. So anyways, Also, a shout-out to Green Mountain Dental Group, best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. They're out in Lakewood. Make sure you hit them up. They're going to hook you up with the Sonicare toothbrush if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. So uh, Green Mountain Dental Group is the place to go now to get your dental work done. All right, I'll lead us off here again. TCU Bronco. Hearing about all that fun you guys are having in the Xbox Madden League has me jealous. Is there a DNVR PS4 Madden League that has an open spot? If so, I'd love to join. Yes, sir, there is, and I wish I had the contact information in front of me here. Let me see if I can work this up quickly. Uh, You're going to, because I don't have an email right in front of me right now, you're going to go on Twitter, at ZJCastro underscore 94, DM him. If you can't, if you don't have Twitter or whatever and you can't do that, then just reach out to me separately. You can email me at ryan at ddnvr.com. Uh, and I'll get you his email address so you can get in on the DNVR PS4 league. All Beautiful. right. Andre? Nick Tabowski asks, still catching up on pods, but to the guy who wanted recommendations for NFL podcasts, I have to throw Dave Damashek's name in the ring. He's absolutely hilarious and usually two pods a week. He does loads of mocking, usually in an accent, and has loads of NFL guests. He really knows football too, as well as being funny. Can't speak highly enough of it. Although he's a massive Steelers fan, the others rip the hell out of him every time he turns the conversation back to Pittsburgh. Matt Money Smith, the Chargers radio announcer, is a regular, but he's always positive about the Broncos. A must listen, I promise thee. Big love all, the big team. And also trade up for Mooney. uh, Said, just want to advertise that on Reddit slash NFL draft. Today was the Broncos day for the draft write up. And our good friend, Trade Up for Mooney, was in charge of that. So he has the link there, as always. For some reason, the link is invisible, but you can highlight it or just click right below where he says, check out my work to see what he's, he's done there. Hank from TK Freeze. From TK Freeze. DNVR, my guys did. Oh, my guys. Did you all see Michael Thomas go at Devontae Parker on Twitter? Why is this guy always complaining? Is he this insecure? Do you guys feel he is the best wide receiver in the NFL? Who will be the top 10 wide receivers in 2020? As always, boys, you guys are the best. Thanks. Man, I really think that the, t- the best receiver in the NFL title is wide open right now. Uh, I don't think anyone's claimed it. I think the belt is waiting to be taken. 
Michael Thomas is a stat monger, but I wish I had him in front of me. There are some stats that really show you just how much he benefits from Drew Brees being his quarterback. Um, you know, he, he has a, a very low uh, average depth of target, those sort of things. So he kind of just pops into open spaces. Drew Brees gets it to him. It's great. They work out great. He's great. But I don't think he's the best in the NFL, and I just don't think anyone's claimed that right now. I think Julio still has that, though. Okay, that's fair. I mean, Noah messes with Julio, but but you're right. He's he's kind of dropped off just enough to where I think it's opened up, and A.J. Green isn't the same guy. A.B. obviously is out of the league still. So, yeah, it is kind of wide open. I think Julio, Tyreek Hill, those are the guys that scare me the most to match up against if I'm a defensive coach, um, you know, preparing to go against those teams on a Sunday for sure. Yeah, Tyreek is probably the scariest in the NFL right now. Mm -hmm. I think Tyreek being scariest makes sense. If I had, I I really like your take that there isn't a true number one right now. I think there are probably five guys who with strong seasons could take that this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe some dark horses could too as well. But if I had to pick one right now, I think you have to go Julio. Michael Thomas is definitely in the conversation. But guys like Mike Evans, I'm curious about. Because he's another one of those big body guys who kind of fits the mold of the top guys that we typically talk about in terms of the best receiver in the NFL. Can he take that step, especially when he has Tom Brady as as his quarterback? Um, DeAndre Hopkins, I think you have to throw in there. You know, top 10, though, putting putting all these guys in order is really tough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and what's crazy is you look at the top re- just receiving yards, it's a lot of tight ends. We've got some running backs in there. Um, yeah, so it is a bit wide open as the league's getting more diverse in the, the passing games and passing game options. Totally. From the other Ryan, my boys. I'm not sure if you're recording a pod today or not, but I want to express my gratitude to those in the DNVR fam who are military veterans, are serving in the military, and or to their family members who served and are serving in the military. Here are two quotes memorializing the occasion. Quote, our debt to the heroic men and valiant women in the service of our country can never be repaid. They have earned our undying gratitude. America must never forget their sacrifices. That was from Harry Truman. And this one is from Unknown. If you want to thank a soldier, be the kind of American worth fighting for. I love that. Uh, He says, I have a trivia question for you today. Which Broncos make the regular season roster which Broncos to make the regular season roster served in the military bonus in which military branches did those players serve DNV army salute, man, I'm drawing a complete blank on that. How about Ben Garland? Oh, there you go. Yep. Air Force. Yep. Oh, oh, but still just in Broncos history. We're saying, yep. yeah, I don't think there are any on this current okay. team that I know yeah. of. Definitely Ben Garland. I don't um, think there's anyone on this team. No. I'm sure we're overlooking some other. Good poll there, Hank. You saved us from drawing yep. complete blank there because <laughs> that was definitely a Mace trivia question. I'm sure he would have aced it. Uh, maybe maybe don't tell Mace about this and bring it up tomorrow and see what he gets. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, 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 go ahead, Andre, from Vic Fangio's sweater. From Vic Fangio's sweater. I imagine Zach practicing the end of the Dark King's read in the mirror in the mirror like drew lock practicing play calls complete the sentence i have not been this excited about the broncos roster since 2015 yeah yeah i think so and 
you could argue that coming into 2015, we were a bit like, man, yeah. I feel like they blew with their chances to win that ring with Peyton. But uh, still, uh-huh. I mean, they but had yeah, Peyton. you're right. Yeah, they had Peyton. I, they were a contender. Yes, you're right. I think you could also maybe make an argument for 2016. I probably wouldn't, but I definitely was holding out hope until the very end that the Broncos were going to make the playoffs because that defense was still mostly together. But no, I would say 2015 is probably the right answer. I mean, 2016 after that thumping of the Cowboys, you're right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe in the preseason, not quite. And also, you know, this, <laughs> the stakes were lower. We, we were riding high. We just won a Super Bowl. It was like, well, win or lose next year is fine. We, yeah. we just witnessed the great Super Bowl victory, so we're good. Yeah, that one, I guess you could say most excited since – after the Cowboys game in 2016. Yep. Because <laughs> exactly. at that point, you like, I remember we had this teaser from the podcast where I was like, um, I was like, if this team goes out there and shuts down uh, Ezekiel Elliott and this offense can do enough to win, like you're talking about this defense being as good as they were last year. And they went and held Zeke to like 1.3 yards per carry. They won, what was it? 59 to 14 or something 49 to 15, mm-hmm. 14 yeah something they like stomped them Simeon looked good it was crazy yep Akeeb had that late pick six uh, <laughs> 108 yards or no 91 yards or something I remember because I tweeted after the game that um Tony Romo or yeah it was Romo right yeah mm-hmm. Tony Romo's leading receiver was Akeeb Talib. like he had the most <laughs> yards after catch <laughs> oh anyways uh, I believe the next one is for you there, Hank. Locked in. Uh, locked in 2020. Okay, mine might be in a different. Okay. Um, what's up, guys? Just stopping in to report a Von Miller sighting. My friend saw at my alma mater, Sycamore Valley Elementary in Danville, California. And wow, what an honor it is to have one of my all time favorite Broncos training on my old stomping grounds. While I didn't see it myself, my friend definitely has the football knowledge to identify him. This is just 10 minutes down the road from Derek Carr's house and two minutes away from the field Derek and AB were seen practicing on many times last year. Any insights as to why he's all the way out in the Bay and not back home in Denver? Also, with all the talk of great sports documentaries, I have to say I watched Scotland 78, A Love Story, on Mace's recommendation, and it was an incredibly well-told story. I would 100% recommend it to any soccer fan Anyways, thanks for all the Broncos coverage. You guys are still the best in the biz. Thank you so much, Locked In 2020. And Vaughn is out in the Bay because that is the home of Hell's Trainer. Hell's Trainer is what they call this guy. Uh, and he uh, lives up to the name. You know, takes these guys through the most vigorous, vigorous exercises you can imagine. They're running up uh, hills of sand with bags of sand on their shoulders. I mean, just Anything you can think of that you don't want to do, he makes them do. Um, so that's usually why Vaughn makes it out to the Bay. He really likes training out there. Um, and, you know, I think it's weird. I think he, he probably has enough money to just pay for him to come to Denver. And then you could be training at altitude and doing all this stuff. But, hey, to each their own. But, yeah, that's why Vaughn's out there in the Bay. Could you pay to bring the sand to Denver, though, if you want to be running through the sand and, like, doing that kind of stuff? Yep. When okay. you uh, have a hundred plus million dollar contract, <laughs> you can actually pay for whatever you want. 
what I really like is that he's willing to pay for this trainer and he's willing to just like go do like the monkey bars with things strapped to his back because he knows that he has no interest in sitting in a weight room and just lifting weights over and over for two hours a day. He'd rather just run through the sand with somebody climbing on his back and like squirming around trying to make it tough on him. Yeah. And if you've ever seen like the videos of these workouts, like Vaughn, if Vaughn, like the amount of miserable you see on Vaughn's face is just like, Oh my God. This would kill the average human. Mm-hmm. Man, he probably just needs to get out of Denver once in a while, you know. That's citizen probably of true. the world. Yeah. Citizen of the world. I like it. <laughs> um, and you know who else uh, has stuff from all around the world? Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. <laughs> uh, I was thinking World Golf Tour. <laughs> oh, we already did that. Yeah. yeah, you can play anywhere around the world there. You could be a citizen of the world on your phone uh davidson's has liquor beer wine everything from all around the world and they'll deliver it to your house you can go pick it up curbside or their floor is now open so you can go in there and talk to their extremely knowledgeable staff the people over there know exactly what they're talking about you have something you'd like they'll give you options uh, of what to find maybe you'd like oaky uh chardonnays well, they're going to get you hooked up. Maybe you like super hoppy beers. They'll give you the options. Or if you're like me, you like a, a sweet tasting bourbon. They hooked me up with all sorts of options for that. So Davidson's is the place to go. Hit them up and, uh, and you won't regret it. They have great stuff over there. All right, guys. I don't regret having you guys on today. I thought this was super fun. Some really great different perspectives. Uh, and I think the listeners will appreciate it too. Thank you for taking some time out of your Memorial Day to hop on for me. And of course, for doing your homework yesterday and watching the match. Our pleasure, my man. All right, that's I love that that's my homework. Yeah, exactly. Pretty good jobs we have here. All right, that's yeah. going to wrap it up for us today. Again, big shout out and a huge thank you to all the veterans in the family or you know even outside of the family. Uh, we appreciate you all so much and we hope you have a great day as well. Getting